From the creators of Despicable Me, The Secret Life of Pets, and Bubble Boy, the musical, comes Schmigadoon, starring Keegan-Michael Key and Cecily Strong. Unlike Apple TV's first musically-centered project, Little Voice, which came out almost exactly a year ago, Schmigadoon is purposely light and absurd. If it wasn't rated PG and didn't star a bunch of comedians, I'd be pretty concerned about an interracial couple getting stuck in some unmapped town with a bunch of strange people obsessed with the 1940s, especially after interest for shows like Them and Lovecraft Country have skyrocketed in no small part because of Keegan-Michael Key's best friend, Jordan Peele. But then again, it does make sense. There's never been a better time to make fun of musicals. Think about it just this year. Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. In the Heights just came out. West Side Story this December. Dear Evan Hansen, and Cats. <laughs> and Cats. Okay. And on TV, it's also been a growing medium over the last decade, from Glee to High School Musical, to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, Gallivant, which we addressed last episode, Flight of the Concords, the list goes on, I stopped writing them down. Schmigadoon is a play on the 1947 musical Brigadoon. But it's really a parody of the golden age of Broadway musicals. The first two episodes are out right now, there's only going to be six of them, so if you're at all curious and you want to check them out before we start spoiling stuff, you should. <laughs> it's July 16th. You're listening to today's episode. So as I said in the intro, Cinco Paul and Ken Dario, the creators of Despicable Me, also created and wrote this. But the director of all six episodes, tell me if you recognize this name, Barry Sonnenfeld. No, I don't. You don't recognize the director of all the Men in Black series. But more importantly, he won two awards, two Golden Raspberries for <laughs> Best Picture and Best well, you Director. Mean, you mean Worst Picture and Worst Director. It's a golden yeah. raspberry, for, so yes. For what? For Wild Wild West. Oh, God. The 1998. Well, that explains Men in Black, Will Smith. Yes. The connection there, yeah. But okay. that's also a musical, right? Yeah, it is. He also but, has directed some crazy, like, good show, like, uh, Get Shorty, which I know. Well, yeah, you're talking about the one. But also out, like, Nine Lives. Okay, so he just keeps <laughs> on, like, balancing himself out, basically. He was also the cinemato cinematographer for, like, Raising Arizona. The guy's got quite the wow, illustrious okay. career. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> so, so he's the one who's directing all these, and first of all, is this what you expected? No, I didn't expect this. I, I saw the- Schmigadoon. Yeah, Schmigadoon. I saw the trailer, or not really a trailer, more like behind the scenes for it yesterday, not realizing that it was going to be the show that we were doing today. So I understood what kind of the basic premise was. Did you see that Keegan-Michael Key and Cecily yeah, Strong was, yeah, were going to be in it? I did, but th this has just way more people than just that. They have Fred Armisen, Martin Short, Dove Cameron. Yes, like so my first- not my first question. I already asked my first question. But one of my questions was, because of all the famous people, you have Tony Award win winners uh, Kristen Chenoweth, you have Alan Cumming, you have Jane Krakowski, you have Martin Short. At what point does it stop becoming a parody? Because, I, like, if you're going to cast all these Tony winners, like, that's more than one Broadway show usually gets. Well, I'll say that the songs, although they're catchy and well choreographed, this was obviously filmed during COVID. There's not that many people on set. It, they're never, and I think it's purposely so, they're never, like, great songs. There's never, like, one amazing performance. Well, they're all originals. They've all been right. written. Yeah, and I could tell that, like, they'll go into a random song about corn pudding, and the main premise is that Melissa and Josh, a struggling couple, end up, like, crossing a bridge when they're on a couple's retreat trying to get their romance back. So what sort of couples retreat are we talking about? 
it's a hiking trip. Basically, at the beginning, they are given stones that say each other's name on them. So Melissa is. Do you see them fighting or something at the beginning? To yeah. Tell so it it starts off, and you see that basically for the first year they met, they're both doctors, and yeah. and you see that they fall in love, and then three years later, after they've been together for four years, because the first year is just a lot of happiness, it's just turned into kind of a normal couple thing where like Keegan Michael Key is very like unenergized, and they're not even celebrating their anniversaries anymore, and then that's when. And, um, so the honeymoon phase is over. They're yeah. trying to rekindle that relationship. It Probably seems like due to the fact that he's like 15 years older than her in real. And no, I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> it's funny. Well, I guess we'll get to that later. But Melissa basically kind of coerces Josh into coming on this trip. It's two months later because we keep on getting title cards saying when the time is. And then they are given uh, stones with each other's like names on them, but they're shaped in hearts. So Melissa is given a stone with Josh's name on it, and Josh is given Melissa's stone uh, with. Uh, I've seen this sci-fi before. So those are their keys, and that's how they unlock themselves into like the <laughs> new world. Is that what's going no, on? No, nothing. Because this is a magical to. place they go to. Yeah, because they it's a hiking trip basically. You so said there, that, yeah. there are there are a ton of couples, and uh, the main two people that are heading this thing are like you can like kind of go off trail, but don't go too far, or else you know you're going to end up getting lost because people actually die on this trip if you do like you kind of stray away from the group Mm -hmm. and then the next scene we see is it's in the rain it's in the forest and melissa and josh are completely lost and they're kind of getting into a fight josh is very he doesn't play a very likable character actually keegan michael key in these like first two episodes well you can tell that this show was made by people who love old musicals yeah like they love them enough to tease them but (laughs) but they made his character sort of the a uh, person who's who's kind of staunchly against musicals. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like every single time they break into a song, he just does not want anything. But to do But there are a couple types of people. Some people who enjoy them. Some people who like musicals like Hamilton, but aren't a big fan of the older ones right. like Carousel exactly. and all those. Uh, yeah, it, Oklahoma, which I know that these are making fun of, but he kind of represents the category that's just like no. No yeah, he, he absolutely is completely against it. And, and that's all I know about his character. Yeah, well, basically, we see that he's very irresponsible. He's even lost the, like, heart-shaped stone that had Melissa's name on it, even though Melissa kept hers. But they hear church bells, and then they, like, cross this bridge, and suddenly they're in this magical place called Schmigadoon, where, again, it has, like, a certain amount of people. Does the rain clear? Yeah, the rain is completely gone. It's sunny. They don't even have real plants, but like it, even Josh points that out. Melissa is like, they're probably just conserving water or something like that. And then when they finally go into town, which is a very small town, everyone just breaks into like an introductory song about Schmigadoon. And you're introduced to a lot of people like Pete. The on-running joke with him is that he like he gets hurt all the time. Like he gets shot twice in the song. Is he played by Steve Buscemi? <laughs> no, nothing like that. I do think we said in the previous one, Steve Buscemi gets hurt a lot in that. I show. think that there are comparisons that you can make to Miracle Workers. However, I will say I think this is better just because the songs are actually good and it has like some type. The of, songs are good. It's more entertaining. Also, did you laugh a lot? Yeah, I mean, I think that like throughout the joke, there's no like belly laughs, but I do believe that there's like you're going to probably laugh within the first five minutes. Show me so. what a belly laugh is. I don't want to. <laughs> okay. um, just be happy I don't make you sing in this podcast. Yeah, please. Yeah, I know. But like Cecily uh, Strong does sing by the end of the second episode. Does Keegan-Michael Key? Keegan-Michael Key doesn't really sing, no. Okay, so how does she end up singing? 
Well, like when they're singing about corn pudding, this happens like twenty minutes in or so because mm-hmm. literally and this is a big plot development. It's like they say a key word and corn suddenly, pudding. yeah, and suddenly a huge song breaks out. Like they are like everyone is waiting for her to jump in, and she's like, "Oh, I, I don't really know how to sing," but then suddenly she starts singing and she explains how the words just kind of had, came to her the moment that she started. It sounds like Sound of Music. Yeah, and I should also mention that they think that they are in just like kind of an interactive play type experience Wait, so they're not like wandavision slaves because that was no. going to be one of my things that i was like hypothesizing well, as to why these people are here where they came from what happened to all the other couples that you said were part of this trip well i think that they're they're probably just with the actual people that are heading but could they the end thing. up showing up maybe and be like well we got lost too well when melissa and josh end up going back at the end of the first episode they try to go back and the place is completely gone they're stuck in schmigadoon yeah so uh, in the end, I don't think they're going. They're be trapped. Seen. Yeah, this is this could be a horror show. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it, if, if it was a little bit more nefarious and you didn't have Kristen Chenoweth as like the Kristen Chenoweth character, <laughs> right? And when they realize that like this isn't actually a play and, and and like they're in an actual musical, they realize that because a leprechaun comes out of nowhere and is like, "You have to find true love," and then once you find true love, you can cross this bridge and go back into the normal world. Cinco Paul and uh, Candario also did Santa Claus too. And that was the one I think, or wait, was it Santa Claus 3 that Martin Short was, was also it was in? Santa Claus 3. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking that connection would be there. But there are like a ton of weird connections. So for instance, Key and Michael, Key King Michael Key is a Shakespearean trained actor. Like, he, Yeah, I've, I've heard. Yeah. yeah, so he took that whole MTV sketch comedy <laughs> route. But before that, and even after that, he went on to be in Hamlet. And he was in Oscar Isaac's off-Broadway Hamlet playing yeah. Horatio. And uh, and he got acclaimed for that. But on the first night, Alan Cumming was there in the audience. And we have this like interview of him being so like happy about that. So now that he's actually starring in a show with him, what is Alan Cumming's character like? Uh, I don't think that he's we the mayor. Oh, he's the mayor. Yeah. Oh, he's someone who is like trying to benefit everyone. He even explains he's like run unopposed a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But he's just kind of someone that wants to make everyone happy. But does happy. he sing? Like he I does. He, he, everyone kind of has their own musical number in the first two episodes. Everyone just Fred Armisen because he's part of the band. No, I was really sad that we didn't get to to see a lot of Fred Armisen because I like him a lot. I think he's really funny. But he's given only like a few lines in the first two episodes, and they're not even really jokes. They're just kind of things that I felt like they gave him because they were like, oh. We have Fred Armisen in this role. And he's a reverend? Does he have yeah, anything other, priest. like, do the characters feel well-developed, or are they literally there just to be singers? Well, I mean, the thing is, is that if you watch a lot of Broadway movies, you're going to know the characters that they're making Well, actually, of. yeah, tell me how many Broadway things this reminded you of. Like, uh, list off the ones you've either seen or the ones that these reminded you of. Well, it really reminded me more of the 60s movies, like Bye Bye Birdie and, um, and The Which Music Man. Which is based man. on a real musical. So, yeah, so The Music Man and then, like, uh... I, you've seen Carousel, right? right now. Yeah, Carousel. Did it remind you of that? No, Carousel is, like, a lot more dramatic than this is. This is not supposed to be taken seriously really that much at all. But you have old Newsies as well. Like, Danny Bailey, he's someone who is, like this very i guess nefarious character but he's he's like supposed to be a pro i already used the word nefarious you have to find a different word he's supposed to have like an evil side to him i mm-hmm. guess a naughtiness side in fact the main antagonist who i can already tell is my antagonist mildred who is um fred armison's wife she's the person who's supposed to keep everything very i guess sincere because like main couples who aren't married yet aren't even able to stay in the same hotel room like melissa oh, and so Josh. The, yeah really 50s thought process you got like the pleasantville aspect where it's like two separate beds right exactly are it, women like oh yeah and downplayed they, in this yeah like, like there's a pole there's a bowl like, like cecily strong can't say she's a doctor 
<laughs> well, no, well, it's not that strict, but there's a bowl for punch, and then it says gentleman, and then, like, even when Cecily uh, Strong tries to drink from it, he's like, oh, no, you can't drink that. That has alcohol in it. But there's it. not a race thing. No, there's not really a race that's thing. That's weird. It's like I, the I was first ex- show out of all these that uh, that hasn't had a racial thing that's taken place in the past. Well, it, Josh does kind of talk about the fact that he's black in this place, because mm-hmm. it is, for the most part, white. There are a couple of black people here. But it's it's really just making fun, I think, of these musicals. And it does it so in a interesting and, I think, entertaining way. But it also, I don't really see what the point of the show is. Like, this has to be a limited series. I cannot imagine them having a season People say two it's cute. Like that. People say it's fun. Yeah, no, I mean, it's adorable, and like I said, you're going to laugh in it. Like, I don't think that this is a bad show by any means. I just don't really see what, like, the overall moral is. Like, for example, at the beginning of the second episode, you have um, Melissa and Josh immediately breaking up because when they realize that they're crossing this bridge and true love is not happening, they're like, do you really love me? And you can tell Melissa does, but Josh really isn't sure. And so that's when they break up, and there's even a song about, like, a, a what do they call it, a couple spat? Like, mm-hmm. and... and <laughs> You can tell that they are just not into it at this point. But then Melissa kind of goes on her her own way. And Josh ends up, by the very end of the episode, betting for a basket um, because there's this basket auction that's going on. A basket auction? Yeah. Basically what oh, you mean is, bidding? Like- yeah, yeah. Because basically what it is is that these girls that have basically made all these baskets have like put like them Girl up Scout for auction. Like Girl Scout cookies and stuff? Like, what's inside the baskets? They've just made these baskets, and the thing is, is that when you bid on them, you're bidding on the girl who's made them as well. And What so, do you mean by bidding on the girl? Like, like, you get to keep her? Yeah, for, like, the night you go on a date with her or something oh, like so that. Oh, so she's, like, a fully grown woman. Right. When you say girl, it sounds a little bit different. Well, Dove Cameron, who was, like, 25, and Keegan-Michael Key, who was, like, 50 in real life, it was strange seeing that dynamic, and they even Wait, have you a knew song who that was? That. Duff Cameron? Yeah, she's like a huge Disney star. Not only is she a Disney star, but you actually saw her in Shameless. I know, she was uh, the one that... Debbie's friend. And then they recast her, I think, for like season four, right? Possibly. But yeah, Yeah. I didn't know that you knew who that was. Yeah, no, she's incredibly famous. And she's probably the best one at singing because she actually has like, you know, an actual background with it. Like Cecily Strong, when she sings, she's fine. But you can tell that there's like a different dynamic there, Mm -hmm. obviously. I guess almost comfortability-wise. It's funny because she was the first one who was cast on the show. It was her show. So, right, like, with yeah. this SNL cast members, they usually get their own show, right? And it's executive, executively produced by Lauren Michaels, right? But more and more so. Like, it, it's, I think Parks and Rec and 30 Rock and those ones really kicked it off where everybody who left SNL right. literally <laughs> could get. But now they don't even have to leave. Because Cecily Strong isn't necessarily gone from SNL. Well, Neither is Keenan Thompson. And they're, like, both I mean, getting that, their own TV shows now. Yeah, but I think that Cecily Strong is probably more on her way out. She had her, like, final moment. Oh, where she sings in SNL as well. So I guess Yeah, she sings there. a lot. <laughs> yeah, but basically the end of the episode is, is that Josh is realizing that maybe Betsy, who is Dove Cameron's character, is, like, too young for him. Like, possibly even before the age of 18. And by the end of the episode, when they're, like, singing about possibly having a romance, the dad of uh, Betsy comes in with a shotgun that reminds me of the carousel thing a little bit though did wasn't there like a weird age thing in that yeah th- there was okay yeah, but yeah. like he, basically they kiss at the very end betsy and josh and then the dad comes in and we've seen the dad throughout the whole entire show have this shotgun and he shoots it and he's like you better start proposing soon because uh, <laughs> so that part was funny as well and then melissa cecily strong character she does she doesn't make a basket and she's very drunk because she's been drinking from the gentleman's punch the whole entire time um but uh, when they're having this 
this does she get along with anybody is this like wandavision where she finds like someone who who's in the know well danny bailey who is kind of the newsies like a naughty character ends up like bidding for her and ends up getting her but at the very in the first episode she gets along with everyone like she's like clapping for all the songs that are going on she's like kind of having a good time but by the beginning of the second episode when they actually break up her and josh she's like kind of a lot sadder so it seems like a very bright show though yeah, I don't, again, I don't think that this is supposed to be any type of dark show at no, all. No, I mean, like, the colorization. It looks oh, very yeah, no, Wizard very, of Oz. Very colorful and very, um... Very wicked. Yeah, <laughs> and just these, I like this set that they have because they really don't deviate it from the, that much. Or Mary Poppins. If yeah. I, like, the, the plot of them just walking into a new world, you know, it's ironic that Space Jam just came out because it has, like, a basketball <laughs> guy walking in. And how has Space Jam never been a musical? Oh, I think that SNL made fun of that once. No, no, no. Where, but, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Like Space Jamilton or something like that, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I guess. It's I mean, in the word. Space Jam. Another <laughs> another thing that this show reminds me of is La La Land, even though I know La La Land was kind of based off of these type of things, especially when Danny Bailey is having his song and he's kind of dancing the same way that Ryan Gosling does when he's doing A Lovely Night with Emma Stone in that movie. Um, and so, yeah. By you the, also saw The King and I. I saw it related to that one. Uh, Oklahoma. Really Oklahoma, I've never seen. You've never seen Oklahoma, but you know it starts like everybody knows it starts yeah, with right. Oklahoma, and so like I think Schmigadoon. Does does it start yeah. with like Schmigadoon? Yeah. yeah, in fact, I, I put the title of the song down. I believe it's just like Welcome to Schmigadoon. Yes, and, and so, that's very Music Man. Yeah, and then Melissa and Danny Bailey they go into the tunnel of love, which is something that Melissa has wanted to do for the longest time. By the end of the episode, would you enjoy this as a kid with all the singing, or because it sounds like it's just a big romance? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I would. Like, there's enough comedy in it where it keeps you entertained and the songs are actually But I mean, good. like, is, a, is the plot entertaining enough if you're, like, I don't know, seven years old that you would still stick around for this older couple? I think that you would probably have to be more in your teenage years. Because there's no kids in this, right? No, none at all. Hmm. I mean, Dove Cameron is supposed to, we're not really sure what her age is supposed to be in the no, show. No, I got you, but, like, I meant no kid kids. Uh, there's one, Dove Cameron's sister, but we see her for, like, a couple seconds. Got it. But yeah, and the, so like it's just it's it's a show that has a wide array of characters, and I think if you like musicals, An ensemble cast. You, yes, you should definitely watch it. If you don't like musical the musicals though, even though it's a parody, don't watch it because this actually is, despite the fact that it's trying to be a parody, like a musical show. Like they they, they have a ton of songs that take up a majority of the runtime. Yeah, so. I've heard people. The, the main complaint has been that like a lot of places that review it are fans of musicals, so they're like this. They've mm-hmm. got some catchy tunes. Uh, it's cute. It's fun. It doesn't have a lot of twists. Right. Um, and if it was just, if you were to walk it, watch it back to back to back to back, you would actually hear the same song over and over and over again, at least yeah. the intro. And that wouldn't be as good as like saying watching a real uh, musical because with a real musical, they, they amp it up during the intermission part and yeah. then they amp it up again at the end, but they only have to do it twice. In this, they have to do it six separate times. And so watching yeah. it back to back would be kind of hard. So it might not be as bingeable as say, you might think with it only being six episodes yeah and every episode starts off like a title card like the old uh, movies used to where it shows everyone's name and it has like the same type of like string melody in the background Mm -hmm. just like the 50s and 60s so i do think that they catch capture the tone well it's just there's nothing much i think beyond the show that's probably where most criticism comes in there's nothing much beyond the show but but, like except for a couple jokes and songs but in the end it's an interesting premise but like i'm just curious what this world what happened to it how does it come to exist 
Yeah, if we actually got like in the fifth episode a reason as to that's how why it, it came. sounds like a Wandavision thing, where it's like there is someone behind this all, but we're not going to see it. Well, yeah, that's, they even explain Melissa and Josh when they're walking through it. They're like, there's some higher power that doesn't believe that we're truly in love, and except for the Leprechaun, we don't really see that many science fiction aspects of it, aside from them actually entering this world, because everyone is pretty normal, I guess, except for the songs that they're singing. You you saw Come From Away, right? Yeah. It's nothing like that. <laughs> well, that was a musical, right? That was a musical, but like that it was... It has to deal with 9-11. It has to deal with 9-11. It also went to the comedy route with it, which I found a little strange. But, but... I bring but I bring it up because Apple TV is actually bringing it out on, I think, September 11th. Are they really? That's... Okay, that's, that's going to yeah, be Yeah, so it, they will actually post a real musical on <laughs> September 11th, a couple months after this fake musical has come out they're going to post that on on 9-11 yeah but i mean it's supposed to be a good story i mean yeah i i like the musical but i found i guess found it very odd when they made a comedy thing about 9-11 like it won it a lot of awards it did no no and i saw and the it's Broadway about play. A, a, a true story right yeah it's inspirational it, it, for a lot based of on a true story okay but yeah, yeah that was just one of the things i found during my research but back to the show you haven't really talked about the side characters' plots too much. You just talked about the main characters. Well, yeah, you, you have Betsy, and then, again, you have Mildred, who, like, is very, very strict. She's the one that's definitely running the town, even though we have Alan Cumming being the mayor. And he's in the closet, right? Uh, I mean, there's a joke about it. Melissa is like, are you are you gay? And then he's like, I try to be gay because he thinks gay means happy. So, uh, well, <laughs> so uh, maybe. Okay. But maybe yeah. he thinks he means happy, <laughs> but from what I was reading in the reviews, he's supposed to be in the closet. So I don't know. Well, that's it. Yeah, I think that it's just based on. Why did she think he was gay? Because he's singing a like really flamboyant song. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's where that's where his song kind of comes in. If there's one person I want to hear more from, it's Howard Fred Armisen's character, because I do want to hear him try and sing, especially him being a priest. Will you watch the next three episodes or four episodes? At this point, we're so close to the hundred, and there's so many shows that I no, said that it, I not before that the one hundred. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, probably I'll check out the the final four. So especially since it's only six episodes. Yeah, so we're coming up. Each. We're coming up on the two hundredth episode where we're going to go over the last one hundred. And people should tune into that if they just want to hear stuff that's been updated about those episodes and what we thought if we did complete those series. All right. But anything else you want to say about this one before we close it out? No, it's basically, like you said, it's, it's very innocent. And I think that that's probably its best quirky quality that it has. Yeah, it has like, uh, it's too early to really tell what their reviews, but it's got like a seven-ish on IMDb. Yeah, I mean, that's And acceptable. like a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. So no one hates it. Yeah, no, I don't think I really haven't really read can. anything that says this is just trash and it shouldn't exist and sometimes uh, you get even for good shows that yeah, so. <laughs> so it's too good of a mood that it sets in your heart yeah i mean i guess when you watch it you guess you're, you're, you're always gonna be happy yeah all right thanks for listening we'll see you on the next episode bye bye, bye.